Okay, let's try to get started here. Lord, we do thank you now just for the wonderful position we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, it's, I know it saddens you that so many Christians have so much that they aren't even aware of. So many just see Christ as their Savior from their guilt and penalty of sin. They see Him as their ticket into heaven, but Lord, they don't see Him as their source of everything. So many are struggling along trying to produce the Christian life rather than learning who they are and what they have in Christ and letting it begin to manifest itself in their daily condition. Lord, I thank you for the way you use Miles Stanford to put this together in an organized way. And Lord, I pray now that as we move forward through this chapter, that, Lord, you will just guide our, our time, guide my words, Lord, and just use this to have an impact in each of our lives. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, I'm going to try to get through chapter 19 today, but we didn't get real far last week, so I don't know whether I'll make it or not. Um, next Sunday is the fourth Sunday, so it'll be a prayer Sunday. Uh, so... Uh, we won't be able to get back into this then till I guess, the first Sunday uh, in December. So we'll see how far we get today. Uh, and I don't want to rush through it. Uh, these chapters are a bit longer than the one in that first book we went through. And it took me two weeks on each of those chapters, pretty much. So uh, it's uh, there's just a lot. And I don't want to skim over it. Uh, this uh, chapter 19 that we're in uh, is a pretty critical chapter in the fact that it begins to just explain the concept to us of our position and our condition. And the, you know, the, chap, uh, the chapters that we're going to be looking at as we move forward just utilize this concept. And so it's very, very important that we come to understand these uh concepts uh, before we move uh, forward in our study. Now, of course, our position is in Christ. And as you read through the New Testament epistles, time and again, you'll see the expression in Christ or in Him. And when it talks about in Christ or in Him. It is setting forth generally something that is positionally true about us. Uh, it's over a hundred times. Uh, in Ephesians alone, there's 32 references uh, to what is true of us uh, in Christ. And, you know, our position is the source of everything for the Christian life. Everything we need for life today, everything that we will need throughout eternity is found in Christ. It flows from our relationship with Him. And because of that, it is perfect. And we're going to see as we move forward some of the things that are true of us positionally. And whatever is true of us positionally is true in a perfect sense. We're going to see we're perfectly righteous in the eyes of God. We're completely accepted in the eyes of God. 
We're perfectly set apart in the eyes of God. All because we are in Christ. Now, our position also is complete. In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. Ever since the moment you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have had everything necessary for life and godliness. You haven't known that from the day one. And you might not know it now. But it's true. You are complete. You lack nothing. Your position in Christ is unchanging. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything you are and have in Him is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, it is stable. Your position is absolutely stable. And then this last statement I have on here. It is unaffected by the believer's faith or condition. What do I mean by that? Whether you, by faith, accept what is true of your position won't change it. You're complete in Christ whether you believe it or not. You have been perfected in Christ whether you believe it or not. Your relationship is stable whether you believe it or not. Your faith does not affect this. What your faith will do is begin to uh, cause this to impact your daily condition. Now, your condition is your daily life. And it is imperfect. It's incomplete. But it has the potential for growth. That's why we are to grow in grace. We're to grow in our understanding and appropriation of what is ours uh, by the grace of God. Our condition is ever-changing. Sometimes our condition changes in a nanosecond. (laughs) We go from, you know, walking in the Spirit to the flesh just like that at times. It's changing. Hopefully, it's growing uh, as we begin to more and more by faith believe who we are and what we have in Christ. It will gradually develop us in this area. The stability of our daily condition is affected by our level of maturity. The more we grow in our relationship with the Lord, hopefully, the more stable our daily condition becomes. And our daily condition is affected by our focus. If our focus is on our condition, we're going to be very self-centered and and it's going to impact the way we live. If our focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ and our focus is on who we are and what we have in Him, then it's going to you know impact our day-to-day life. You know, if our focus is on sin, sin is going to have more and more power over us. 
If our focus is on Christ and He looms bigger and bigger and bigger in our, in our uh, eyes, it's going to impact the way we live. Now last week we got down to the bottom of page 78. And we'll pick up there today. Like I say, I had hoped to get through the chapter, but I don't know about that. But we'll pick up there and uh, um, in that bottom paragraph where he says, Every Christian has been positioned forever in the risen Lord by spiritual birth. Every one of us has been put in this position. Our spiritual birth put us there. It's like in years gone by when somebody was born into a royal family, their birth put them in that position. And in a sense, birth put each of us in a position within our family. And spiritually speaking, birth put us in a position in Christ. But he says, only the believer who knows grows. All that you are and have in Christ will not change a thing if you don't know it. It won't change a thing if you don't believe it. You've got to come to know who you are and what you have in Christ. That's why I've said it many, many times. I'll say it one more time and I hope it soaks in one of these days. You see so often that we as believers do not see ourselves in that light because we continue to define ourselves as sinners. That's what we see. We, we are seeing ourselves on the basis of our condition. Because we still struggle some with sin. We say, I'm just a sinner. No, I'm a child of the Most High God that struggles with sin. But there's a huge difference. And until we learn to see ourselves through the eyes of God, things aren't really going to begin to change in our, our condition. If I'm a sinner, sinner is a natural thing. If I'm a child of the Most High God, sin is not a natural thing in my life. And I should see it as unnatural. I should see it for what it is. Something that doesn't fit, really, with who I truly am in the Lord Jesus Christ. So every Christian has been positioned forever in the risen Lord by spiritual birth, but only the believer who knows grows. It's faith in the facts of our position that gives us the daily benefits of growth in our condition. The more I come to believe what is true of me positionally, the more it will begin to influence how I live on a day-to-day basis. If the believer is not clearly aware of the specific truths of the Word, he cannot exercise the necessary faith for growth and service. We have to be clear of, of the specific truth. Why? Because faith is based on facts. You can't have life-changing faith if you don't know the facts of who you are. You've got to know those things. And put your confidence in them. 
He said, you know, if we don't have, know the specific truths, we can't exercise faith or growth and service. He said, he can only seek his resources in the realm of self. If we don't know who we are and what we have in Christ, what we're going to do, we're going to try to produce it through our own strength. I think we've all been there. All tried that. It doesn't work real well. He says, some of the wonderful positional truths... Uh, are set forth for our faith in the scriptural illustrations of the grain of wheat and the vine and the branch. So, you know, this chapter is entitled uh, Position Defined and Illustrated. And so he's going to use the grain of wheat and the branch of the vine just as illustrations of this positional truth. He says in John chapter 12, verse 24, that's part of the upper room discourse. Hours before his betrayal, hours before his arrest, hours before his crucifixion, Christ said this, Except a corn or grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. This principle of life out of death was then established at Calvary's cross, where he, as the grain of wheat, died and rose again. In his resurrection, he brought forth the much fruit out of his death. Everyone who would ever place his trust in Christ as Savior... Every grain of wheat was resident in, identified with, the grain of wheat, the head of the new spiritual harvest. Every believer is included in the much fruit of his death and resurrection. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Romans 6, 1. So Christ presented him as a grain of wheat, a grain of wheat that would remain alone unless it died. And then through death and through the life that sprung forth from that death, it would produce much fruit. So, you know, he goes on and says... You know, he goes into what he calls the principle of reproduction. That like produces like. See, Christ as a grain of wheat that died and sprung forth in life was going to produce something like him. Like produces like. That was established from the beginning. So he says there's another wonderful uh, principle involved here. Like produces like. And God said, and he goes back to Genesis 1.11, And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs yielding seed, the fruit trees yielding fruit, after his kind. <clears throat> Our Lord Jesus, as the grain of wheat, having fallen into the ground in death, having risen again to life eternal, is still bringing forth much fruit after his kind. 
For whom he, God, did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God established in the beginning that like would produce like. You know, a grain of wheat would produce a grain of wheat. An oak tree would produce an oak tree. You know, like produces like. And that principle, we're going to see, holds true uh, with regards to Christ. Through as a grain of wheat that died and sprung forth again in eternal life, he is going to produce something. That life is going to produce something like his. Why? So that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The moment you accepted Christ as Savior, your ultimate destiny became to become conformed to the image of his Son. That is your predetermined end. Now, often people take that passage and say, well, it's saying that God determined who's going to get saved. That's not what it's saying in Romans 8. It's saying that those who enter into a relationship with Christ have a predetermined destination. It's like for our 35th anniversary, Joe and I took a cruise. When we got on that cruise ship and they pulled up the gangplank, we were destined to end up where that ship went. I know we could ruin the illustration by jumping overboard or doing something like that. But but we were going where that ship was going. And we were going there with a lot of other people. And our you know our experiences could be very different. But we all ended up at the same place. And when we entered into salvation, we went, we entered into a relationship in Christ. Our final destiny was, was secured. Now, my journey and your journey may be very different. And some of us may more closely approach that conformity here in time, but no matter how our lives go, Ultimately, every one of us will be conformed to the image of Christ. Because we're assured in 1 John chapter 3 that when Christ returns, we will be like Him. In character, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. That is your destiny, that is my destiny. Because we are in Christ. Nothing can change your destiny nor mine. Once we got on the boat of salvation, the ship of salvation, our final destination was secured for us. So, he says, going on, he says, the Lord Jesus is our life. Again, every believer knows Christ as their Savior. But we need to come to see Him more than that. Christ is our life. 
Therefore, as we grow spiritually, the family likeness is manifested. We are gradually conformed to his image, who himself is the express image of his or God's person, Hebrews 1.3. Then he gives us that passage in 1 John 3.2. And when he shall appear, we shall be completely like him, for we shall see him as he is. But he says, Christ is our life. And the more we grow in our relationship with Him, the more that family resemblance is going to show in our daily condition. I find it interesting and significant what John says in 1 John 3. He says that when Christ returns, we shall be like Him. Why? For we shall see Him as He is. We will finally see Him with absolute clarity. We will finally see our source as He truly is, and it will transform us. And I personally believe the degree to which we come to see Him now is the degree to which we are transformed now. That is proportional. The more we come to see Him as our life, the more we come to see Him as our source of everything, the more we will be changed into His likeness. Inversely, the less we come to see Him, the less we believe is true of us in Him, the less we're going to be conformed. It's a proportional thing. Now he says, in the natural realm, the first grain of wheat contained complete and perfect the life of every subsequent grain of wheat to this day. When God created wheat back there at the Garden of Eden, that first wheat contained within it, within its DNA, everything necessary for every grain of wheat from that day forward. says it did not abide alone, retaining all, but fell into the ground and died, finding resurrection in the much fruit of life out of death. The same applies, same principle applies in the spiritual realm. The position, the source of life of every believer as a grain of wheat is God's firstborn grain of wheat, our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we will ever need is is in Him and was in Him when He went to the cross. He had everything necessary for every believer that would ever follow. He had it, you know, present within Him as the God-man here on earth. But then He took that with him down into the grave, came forth in resurrection life. And from that resurrection life now flows those provisions to each and every one of us. You are positioned in the resurrected Christ. And he says, each of us is after his kind. 
We're, we're growing. We're immature. We haven't arrived. But we're on a journey that will ultimately bring us to a point where in our daily character, our life is going to show forth the very life of Christ. We have His life. Thus, when we speak of our position, we refer to our place in the risen Lord. He quotes from Colossians 3.3, Our life is hid with Christ in God. We've, I've brought up that verse a number of times. I think it's a very important verse. Because, as I've pointed out before, where something is hidden is where you will find it. The world is searching for life. True life. Meaningful life. And God says, I have a new life for you. But I've hidden it. I've hidden it, and you're going to have to find it, but I'll tell you where I hid it. I hid it in Christ. It's safe there. Can't be harmed. And as you search for it in Him, you will find it. I think I shared before when I was in Colossians at school one one time when we came to that passage I went in and hid a twenty a ten dollar bill and I told the students I'd give it to the first one who could told, tell me exactly where it was and the girl who got it was the one who finally said it's exactly where you hid it they had guessed a number of different things that were all wrong and she said. It's exactly where you hit it. And I gave it to her. Because I said, that is the right answer. And we're told that we have everything for a whole new life. But it's hidden in Christ. It's hidden in that position. Now, if I can find where I was. Yeah. So, when you're saying um, this is in Christ, do we, find, do we look for our life in Christ by like, the facts in the Scripture? Is that how you look for that? Yeah. Yeah, you, you look for it by, by going through, especially the New Testament epistles, and looking at the different things that it says is true of you in Christ. And, you know, that be a good one for you. To, if, you if you're big on marking your Bible, start marking every time something comes up in Christ or in Him. And look at what's true about it. And, be, you know, begin to... You know, your prayer should be, Lord, I want to see who I am in Christ. And Lord, I want your Spirit to guide me just in learning to live by faith in who I am in Christ. And the more you begin to see who you are in Christ, and the more you begin to believe who you are in Christ, it will change you. 
Like I was saying earlier, if you go through life and your, your day-to-day belief about yourself is, well, I'm just a sinner who's going to do the best I can today not to sin, I guarantee you that before the day is out, you will have sinned many, many times. It's like going on a diet. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this. And the next thing you know, you eat it. Because the more you think about not eating it, the more appealing it comes <laughs> becomes to you. We know it's true. It's, it's, it's our nature. But when I begin viewing myself as, Lord, I believe that because you tell me I'm a new creation that I am. I believe, Lord, that because you tell me that I am complete in Christ, that I am. Lord, I believe that because you tell me that I died with Christ to to sin and the world, that I am free. And equally important, Lord, I believe that when you say I am now alive unto you, I have that potential. I've shared before that for years, my prayer in the morning was always something about helping me not to do this or not to do that or think this or think that. And that's not my prayer anymore. My prayer is, Lord... Thank you that I am your child. Thank you that I am a joint heir with Christ. Thank you for your grace that provides me with everything necessary for life and godliness. Lord, my desire today is to live like a child of the Most High God. My desire today is to live like a citizen of heaven. You see the difference? Between focusing on not doing this and focusing on who we are and what we have in Christ and praying, Lord, I want your Spirit to guide me and to grow me so that more and more my life manifests forth the Lord Jesus Christ. I want people to see Christ in me. I don't want people to see somebody who's trying to act like Jesus. I want somebody to see Christ in me and be drawn to Him. So he says, the principle of position, therefore, both natural and spiritual, is that life in its fullness and completeness is resident in the source and is transmitted through birth and growth. That's true, he says, in natural in the natural realm and the spiritual realm. In the natural realm, you know, everything, you know, uh, you received everything uh, needed uh, from your parents to ultimately become a, an adult human being. It came to you through birth, but it also came to you through growth. And spiritually speaking, we receive everything we need for life and godliness at the moment of birth. 
But it will really only manifest itself in our daily lives as we grow. As we grow in grace. As we grow in our knowledge of who we are and what we have in Christ. And by faith, take hold of it. Resurrection life is explicitly after its kind. It is conformed to the image of its positional source. The Lord Jesus Christ, as the Father's grain of wheat, took our place at Calvary, and His death and resurrection brought forth the much fruit of similar grains of wheat. Believers predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. He says, there is a stillness in the Christian's life. The grain of wheat must fall into the, into the ground and then, and die. Then if it die out of that death, life, fullest life will blessedly abound. It is a mystery no words can tell, but known to those who in stillness rest. Something divinely incomprehensible that for my nothingness I get God's best. That last phrase, for my nothingness I get God's best. I brought nothing of value into my relationship with Christ. I get it all from Him. Now he says, consistent with the principle of position and the principle of reproduction, our risen Lord Jesus is the vine. Again, part of the upper room discourse. He says, as such, he brings forth fruit after his kind. I am the vine. John 15.5 Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. He says, in the natural realm, the life that is already complete in the vine, (coughs) excuse me, is increasingly supplied to the growing branches. The healthy condition of the branches is contingent on their abiding in their position in the vine. The branch is not only a product and a living part of the vine, but that which is produced on the branch is also the fruit of the vine. So in John 15, Christ presents us as being branches connected to him. He says the health of the branch comes from what? Is connection to the vine. And the branch produces nothing in and of itself. You go out to a grapevine and you tear a branch off of it, and I guarantee you it ain't going to produce any grapes. It produces grapes as a result of its connection to the vine. All a branch separated from a vine is good for is firewood. It has no, you know, fruit-bearing uh, ability. 
And he says, you know, actually the, the branch produces nothing either for the vine, for others, or for itself. The vine, the positional source, has everything to do with the development and fruitfulness of all its branches. The chief... The chief responsibility of the branch is to rest just where it was born, to abide in its living position, in its living source. Our responsibility is to live our lives in connection with Christ, to abide in Him, to let Him abide in us. It's not my responsibility to go out and do anything for Him. Just be connected to Him. I have nothing to offer Him. I have nothing to offer you. He has much. My desire is to abide in Him. And to be available for Him to use. He says, as the believer rests in his position, the life of the vine, which he says is the fruit of the Spirit, is manifested in his condition. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I mean, this is the character of Christ that is produced in us through an abiding relationship with Him. Now, so many Christians read that passage and because they're living on the basis of their condition, their focus is, I've got to produce these things. I've got to become more loving. I've got to become more joyful, you know. Walk around with a grin on their face when it's not real joy and everybody can tell it's not real. But I've got to be joyful. I've got to somehow produce peace. I'm going to be long-suffering if it kills me. See, the, the flesh, in, 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 you know, the old man in, in our daily condition can try to produce these things, but he can never really produce them. If we're struggling in these areas defined as the fruit of the Spirit, it should show us what? Not that we need to try harder to produce those things, But we need to abide more in our source of those things. And that's Christ. We go back to Him. You know, if I think I've arrived in my Christian life and I start really looking at these fruit and holding them up against my life, I begin saying, hey... 
I haven't arrived yet. (laughs) There are evidences here that I'm not abiding fully in Christ. And He's not fully manifesting Himself in me. And rather than say, I really need to work harder on producing those things. No, I go back to the Lord. And say, Lord, I realize that my lack of joy here tells me something about the fact that I am lacking in my understanding of who I am and what I have in Christ and how it you know, applies to this situation. Lord, teach me. Grow me. I don't want to try to mimic these things. I want you to produce them in a very real way in my life. Do what's necessary, Lord, to make me more loving. Do what's necessary to teach me how to have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. Teach me of who I am and what I have in Christ that can bring peace to me. That at times surpasses understanding. Lord, as I come to understand Christ and the patience He shows me, may that patience flow through me to others. Lord, may I be as may his faithfulness be seen in me. May his gentleness begin to make me more gentle. Lord, I need to grow in my understanding of who I am in Christ so that these things will become true of me. He says, the life of the vine is the life of the branch. The true vine is established at the right hand of our Father in glory and is the source from which our Christian life flows. The indwelling Spirit of Christ is the living link between Him and heaven and our spirit here on earth. He that is joined to the Lord is one Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17 Now, I didn't make it to the end of the chapter. And we'll have to stop there. I hate to do that with a like a two-week break in here. But um, uh, next time we meet, we will finish the chapter and probably get get started into uh, the the subsequent chapter. We'll shoot towards that. But again, I don't want to rush through any of this. This is stuff we need to understand. This is life-changing truth. And I, I say that with full conviction because I've been blessed over the years to be able to present these truths to a lot of different people and I've seen it change their lives. With my students up in Waukesha, you know, I only got to have them for two years, and you only see so much in that. But I used to tell them, I said, I, I, I thank the Lord for leaving us in Ireland for almost ten years. Because we had the opportunity to watch God take these truths and transform people. And it took a lot of years. 
more than two years that I had the student. But I could teach these things to the students with full confidence that if they continued on in them, it would change their lives. Because I've seen it happen. And I'm convinced that each of you in this room, if you really grow in your understanding of who you have, who you are and what you have in Christ, and by faith begin to cling to those truths, I have full confidence that it's going to change the way you live. And not from the outside in, but from the inside out. As Christ is increasingly seen in you. Okay, we're out of time. Let me close in prayer. Lord, we do thank You for all that we are and have in Christ. Lord, we don't deserve any of it. But Lord, You are a gracious God who has given us everything necessary for life and godliness in the Lord Jesus Christ. May we abide in Him and may we allow Him to abide in us and to have His life flow through us. Lord, this world needs... Not to see another religion, but this world needs to see Christ. May they begin to see Him through each of us. For it's in His precious name we pray. Amen.